Welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. Today we have special guest Lincoln Brewster talking about his new album, also talking about massive guitar gear, Kemper, the Quad Cortex, uh, the future of guitar, as well as the things that he uses in his studio um, and his whole studio chain. He just shares a lot with us. Here we go. Trying to get back to life as usual, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, uh, obviously crazy here for everybody and uh, been spending lots of time right where I'm sitting working on music and uh, all kinds of different things but um, excited that my record finally came out I, it's funny I finished this record um, probably two months before the pandemic hit and oh, wow. <laughs> it was gonna get released right into the pandemic which I guess the labels thought was a bad idea so sure um, so it's yeah, it's been delayed like a year. So wow. I'm thankful that it's that it's finally come out. But uh, so yeah, I've been doing that and then kind of rebuilding my studio. So um, got a whole back into vintage amps and all kind of. You can't really see. You can only see a little bit of it. But uh, I've got a whole bunch more amps that are out of shot. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, starting to work on profiling libraries and. Impulse responses of in the room behind me, the tracking room. There's about uh, there's over 20 cabinets in there, wow. uh, mostly all vintage stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. That's crazy. Yeah. What? Uh, so you wrote, wrote, recorded like it was basically done before the pandemic hit. Like, did you do anything with the album over the year, or was it kind of like we're just going to set this here and then come back and like when the time is right? Like, what what made now right for it? Well, I don't know. I, di I didn't choose the release date. So it. Um, okay. it just kind of, they said, hey, it's going to come out um, sure. April 30. And I went, all right, it's, all right. Better than, it's better than last May. So <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah so, but I, you know, it's funny. I think as I've gone back and dove into it a little bit, I, it's funny, I kind of feel stronger about the lyrical message of the record even than I did when we wrote it. Um, mm. And you know, it's always the risk, of course, especially you know, um, recording music prior to a global catastrophe yeah. and then releasing it afterwards is risky, right? Because sure. who knows, like, I mean, can you imagine if that happened in like the 80s, you know, <laughs> be like, and, you know, poison comes out with don't need nothing but a good time. Like, you know, they recorded it prior to the pandemic. You know, it'd be crazy. Um, and I'm sure that happened. Like, I'm sure there's music that they probably got scrapped, you know, because they're going, you can't put that out right now. Um, and so there's always some degree of risk, but I, I um, in this case, it felt like, I don't know, it, it feels like, if I was, if I felt strong about it before, which I did, I would double down on it now and go, yeah, it's an important message for people. That's great. What was your tracking process like? Um, did it change from since you know the prior albums because of COVID, or are you still tracking remotely, or did you go in a studio? You know, interestingly, we. Um, I did this uh, Christmas album called a mostly acoustic Christmas. Yeah. Um, and that was my first record that I did in this studio. And 
I just, it was really weird when I, when I moved into this studio, I wasn't planning really on tracking drums and stuff here. And my son and I, my oldest son, Levi and I kind of like went and snagged some drums from the church and brought them over here. And it was the weirdest thing. I just said, I just want to try this at the fee. So first step was he played the drums and I walked outside and I don't have neighbors like right on top of me, but you know, I wanted to make sure it wouldn't bother the neighbors and crazy. I couldn't hear anything. Wow. So I came back in, threw a couple mics up, you know, pulled up pro tools. And I was like, this sounds crazy good. I, I'm, you know, so I was comparing it to some things. And I'm like, wow, these drums sound really sound good. So I thought, well, I'll try to do the acoustic record all here. And I, and I wanted to do it really like, no editing, no flying, no, you know, just it was really, I wanted to make, and every sound on the record was a real sound, you know, it was all the percussion I played. And um, so I got Zorro over here, and Zorro, we set his kit up in the tracking room behind me, and the sounds were fantastic. Like, so even when, um, when Chris Greeley mixed the record, you know, he, he did a mix of Joy of the World and sent it to me his first mix and I called him and said, it's too good. Like it's too, wow. it's too pop. And I said, did you put any drum samples? And he goes, yeah. And I said, so I want you to do it. No drum samples, like old school, take what we tracked and make it sound, yeah. you know, and you know, I said, don't, I don't mind you elevating it, of course, but just, uh, and he's like, well, the snare tuning changes over the course of the song. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's, that's how it, that's how it is. It's what happens. And so um, he did such a fantastic job mixing the record. And, but that's 100% here. And so when we got to the new to Perfect Love album, I talked to Seth and Seth Mosley and X and was like, would you guys be cool with coming out and doing it in my place? Just you guys come stay here at the house. Um, and they were like, yeah, that sounds great. So we literally right here, um, cut everything with the guys, obviously pre, pre COVID. Um, and it's kind of funny. This is where this room, this, it's like a little house attached to my house. So we actually lived in my family, uh, me, Laura, our two boys and our two dogs lived here for nine months while we remodeled the, the larger house. And, uh, so there's like a full kitchen right off to my left. And, um, so we had a, we had a ball. We, we just, kind of, it felt great and kind of just did it. And then they went back to Nashville um, and we did a lot of the overdubs sort of remotely. And I'm not aware of it. I'm sure this has been done. I'm not aware of, of this being done quite this way. There's, there are softwares like Source Connect that you can use to do remote sessions. And they're a little complex to get set up and all that. So me and Seth and X worked, we tried all different kinds of things. And what we landed on was a Dropbox that we were all synced to uh, between the three of us that had all the Pro Tools sessions on it. So if X would open a Pro Tools session in Nashville and change something, I would literally see it happen. I would see it like this file's updated, this file's updated. Then I open the session and it, everything's there. It, the only lag was the amount of time it would take to upload any audio files, which is pretty fast. Um, and then when we were overdubbing, 
Um, and this, I think, only worked because Seth is so, or uh, both guys are, but X is so patient. Um, I would give him through uh, log me in, I would give him control over my computer. And he would literally just open the session on my computer from Nashville and create routing and all that. We would monitor each other through audio movers, both directions, talk back everything. And I would sit here with my vocal mic and he would just create new tracks. So he was basically like sitting next to me effectively, yeah. running the computer and talk back, going through vocal passes, he'd add a new track. The problem with Source Connect is you can't do like, okay, let's add a second track and then hear the other one. It's a lot more convoluted to do that. You have to bounce it. And, um, and it worked great. We even did, we even like recut a couple drum tracks that way. So I was sitting here with a talk back into the tracking room so Zoro could hear me. And X was in Nashville running the session with a talk back so I could hear him and so could Zoro. So we had this little, um, and then as soon as he would hit save on the session, it updated to the Dropbox automatically. So it was pretty ninja. It, it worked great. That's cool. Um, so what's your front end look like that you're able to, you know, track live drums? Like obviously you have to have enough inputs for that. Yeah. So um, I use the newer uh, UA Apollos, um, which sound amazing to me. And then <clears throat> I've also got, uh, I, I've got a, a two um, BAE 1084s, um, which for the tech heads out there, the way that um, British Audio Engineering, which used to be Brent Averill, um, the way they build Neve clones is literally closer to how Neve used to do it than Neve currently does it. So, um, and all the BAE stuff is, is all hand-wired, no circuit boards. If you look at Neve's newer stuff, they've got different pricing tiers, but that's all based on circuit board or hand-wired. So these are all hand-wired. They source, they, they won't tell people like where they get the original silver solder and like, it's crazy how these are exactly old Neve replicas. Um, so, uh, and then I also have a, uh, a B2 Bomber ADC Burl converter, which I think are the best converters out there. So uh, for tracking drums, I use, <clears throat> I use the Burl uh, for overheads. Um, and a lot of music nowadays, obviously we layer with samples or triggering it just to enhance or do some things. Um, the acoustic album, I didn't want to do that, but I'm okay with doing it on more pop stuff. Um, but the overheads, you can't really trigger those uh, to capture the kit. So those go through that. And then um, I've got three of the Apollos, so plenty of inputs, and um, plus a, uh, a twin that I use as a, kind of my little volume control and all that. That's got a couple of pre's on it. Um, and then uh, you guys want like one super tweaker head thing? Yeah. It's like, this is like, this is like crazy tweaker. When you use um, a different converter across a drum kit, when you, when you kind of parse out, like I'm using the overheads, um, they're, not, they're not perfectly locked up uh, in time. So you actually have to, I forget the number, I have it written down, but I have to move the overhead tracks slightly uh, yeah. because uh, they're off 
from the Apollos a little bit. We're talking minute, but <clears throat> so, uh, but it works great. And then when I'm doing overdubs with two channels or less, I use, I use the Neve stuff. Yeah. So you have, are they X16s that you have? No, mine are X8Ps. So, I, okay. and the thing about the new, I mean, UA, in my opinion, I've done a lot of testing on this. Their preamps with their simulations are, they're fantastic. I mean, they're really, really good. Um, and so we used, uh, for the tracking of the record in the UA console, we, we literally created an exact replica of a signal path that you would have used in a, in a conventional old school studio. So it was, um, you know, input, mic pre, you know, whatever processing. And some of it with the processing, you just run it through it. You don't, you know, how, the, how we used to do it. You run it through a Poltec or something, don't EQ it just, or an LA-2A changes the sound drastically, even if you don't compress or limit. Then um, to a tape machine, and then obviously when you come back in for mix, you put another one on uh, that's SSL or whatever, just like you would have kind of back in the day. So we committed, as we tracked, we committed the tracking signal chain with uh, the Studer 800 yeah. um, and all that stuff. And tell, like the drum sound, like X was sitting here, Seth and X were sitting here just like blown away how good the drums sounded. And of course it helps having a drummer like Zorro um, and you know, the kits that he we had access to and his snares and you know so um but when you listen to the record I, that's a lot of that you know there's there's some sample enhancement but that's i mean that's all pretty much live drum yeah for you and you can say this is a secret but i'm gonna ask you anyway uh, for your guitar chain like what what's your guitar chain are you in the box aside from the bae preamps we did on let's see on on this record i want to say everything on this record was in the box uh, um we used oh you know what uh yeah we used a lot of um there's a a friedman amp called the bucks and betty um that i i love and uh, i I used that all over the Christmas record, and so we we used a bunch of that. Um, and did we use? I'm trying to think what we did for IRs. A lot of it when I'm pulling up guitar tones, it's it's you know does this fit in the track? Because um, it, it's hard to pull up guitar sounds by themselves. You know, mm -hmm. I, I really always want to hear them in a track to see what gets gobbled up sonically. You know, so um, we use that probably more than anything that one i think maybe a little bit of um the ds40 maybe we uh on the christmas record like on linus and lucy i did this it sounds you know it's one guitar track but i used a stereo um and it's very tricky to do with electric guitar because you get phasing issues and stuff like crazy um so I, I worked to come up with, it's a two amp, three cabinet stereo guitar sound. Um, so if you listen to Linus and Lucy and then hit mono, if you have a mono button, 
you'll you'll be shocked how narrow the guitar gets, mm. um, though it's a single guitar. But I wanted it because it was bass drums guitar only. I wanted the track to the guitar to occupy a cool sonic space. So we did some of that on Perfect Love. Um, some of it I did straight up mono just to get them out of the one way out of the way um, for the vocal. So. Um, but I think that was, and then I think we used, we used some Kemper um, sounds that I have, but it was, yeah, I think mostly in the box. Are you um, going to incorporate any of this when, when all COVID's done, you're touring again, would you use like UA stuff live? Have you, no. have you tried that? I wouldn't personally. Um, just because I, I don't know, I can't get my head around having a laptop for my my live rig. Like yeah. that just seems like too much for me. I I um what I'll probably do is use so I'm in the process of of capturing all my amps um here, which I'll let me see if I can show you guys. This is Wow. Um, and then I've got some more, and then my cabs, um, like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the video I did for Fender for Christmas with the Miraculum on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was that, was that um, middle 6850 watt Plexi Marshall uh stone stock lead circuit um with that um echoplex in front of it and then an ir that i i did um off my original steve perry touring days cabinet so wow. um and that's an it's an early 90s vintage 30 which to me was they're just absolutely lovely speakers um and that cab, that cab for some reason has always just sounded great. I still have the mark where I used to mic it, and so I just literally went and did an IR, and it sounds great. Um, so um, the Silent Night version is the two. I think that's the <clears throat> classic reverb signature two rock. Um, and so that one, um, this one here that's up there actually is the one that Eric Johnson toured with, the black one. And then the Bloomfield Drive below it is, I think that's the first one. Um, so Eli Lester at Two Rock has become a buddy and he, he, he doesn't live very far from me. So um, I drove down to his shop and, um, and we, got to, we got to hang a little bit, talk shop and, um, and so he sent me home with some goodies. So um, what I'll probably do is, <clears throat> as I'm capturing all my amps and cabs for Kemper and, um, and the Quad Cortex, as well as uh, some other amp collections that um, I can't say anything about at the moment that are gonna be pretty awesome. Um, I will take those and <clears throat> either use the Kemper or the Quad Cortex Live. Um, so it'll be, but 
anything I use in that setting or in the studio will be available as I use it exactly um, when when that goes live. Hopefully within a couple months, it's going to take uh, the site's close to being done, and um, and I'm pretty excited about it. And there will be a lot of different approaches to how these uh, how these profiles will work versus you know some of the other things that are out there um i think some of the issue i've seen with um for guitar players is is option fatigue yeah um and so i'm trying to address that with both with profiles and with irs um to make it a little easier uh and i think it's it's that thing where you go hey uh you tell a little kid hey do you want a piece of candy and they go yeah of course and then you go how would you like a million pieces of candy? <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. And you, you go like, I don't like candy anymore at a certain point. So um, trying to find that, that space that, um, you know, we're trying to recreate uh, sounds and amps from back in the day. Um, but unfortunately it's, you're literally talking thousands and thousands of amps. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't an option back in the day. So it, I think each amp lost a little bit of its, of its being special and unique and its story and why it has a, you know, why, why it means something, you know? Yeah. I, I, so my next question was going to be, have you tried the quad cortex? And, and you mentioned that. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, everybody's talking about, you know, Kemper versus Quad Cortex. Only a couple guys have gotten their hands on one. Yeah. I tried one at NAMM, but it was just loaded with, like, super high-gain metal tones, you know? Yeah, uh, a lot of the guys from, from Europe, it, Kemper's that way, too. Like, they're, you know, they're, a lot, they're all into the metal thing. So what's your, what's your opinion on it? So I haven't used one. Um, I'm in contact with them and, and waiting to get uh, some – so as soon as they have uh, another unit, they're gonna they're gonna shoot one out to me. Um, I uh, I think from a featureless standpoint, it's fantastic. Um, I love I love what it does. Um, uh, Corey Wong's a friend of mine, and I I talked to him a little bit about it, and um, and I and you know they they. Uh, they hooked me up with all their plugins and I've gone through those. I really like what they do. I think the quality of, of what they're doing is fantastic. So I have high hopes for um, what can be done with it. Mm -hmm. The processing power factor is a big deal for me. And I, uh, Pete Thorne did a, a cool video on, um, it, you know, like he did some profiling. I, I don't know how, like I've learned this with the Kemper, you, you have to, there's an art to it. Like, a, you know, it's, you can definitely do a profile of janky and you have to, when you're doing the, the refine, I don't know, there's a thing to it that, and, and I actually found some tricks uh, to profiling that I won't tell you um, that I figured out uh, just because it's, some of, some of that stuff's fun. I mean, I don't think the world needs a little more mystery nowadays. I mean, come on. Um, so I did find some things um, 
like uh, like uh, you know the old Van Halen setting on Marshall's All Knobs on Ten. Yeah. You cannot profile that sound. It it won't do it. Like the Kemper freaks out <laughs> and and spits you out something that is just a mess. Like sounds like you had a bunch of fuzz bases on it. And it's there is a point when it happens. And I actually figured out how to get around it in a really unorthodox way, but it worked. Um, and so I know when Pete did his modeling of the neural, there was a little bit of difference between the original and, and the neural. And it was like, I think he said he could compensate for it. So my brain's always like, how do I get, I want to make sure that the, like there's something about, a Marshall, when it's all knobs on 10 that happens to it, and it's really weird, but it, there's like this thing. And when I was profiling it a different way, obviously it didn't happen, so I was going, how do I get that? Because I couldn't get the thing back by changing the knobs in the camper. Um, and so I'm, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, have, I look at this place as like a little laboratory, you know, like going, how do I solve for that? And, uh, but with the neural, um, it does some cool stuff. And I got to figure out, like, I, it'll only be until I get one that, it, that I'll know how far I can go. But like the Kemper, you can only profile one thing, right? So you can, you can only do, um, you know, you can't do two amps. So, you need two Kempers, or you can't do a pedal and an amp. It has to be a, a picture of both of those or whatever. Um, the neural sounds like you can do a bunch of stuff and chain them all together. So you could, you could profile a pedal and two amps and use two IRs and run them in stereo. Mm -hmm. Like that gets interesting to me because then uh, that starts opening up some cool options. Um, so I would say right now I'd be leaning towards using the neural live. Yeah. Um, just making sure I can get the profile, the, uh, what are they called? What are the neural capture? Uh, the, uh, the captures where, where I would want them. Have you messed with like the plenty, uh, software that they have? What is it? Like, you know, the guitar player plenty. From oh Australia. yeah yeah oh yeah i have all the plugins and i've gone through all of them yeah 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 and I, I felt like um you know there's a there's a group of plugins that work for kind of what i do um and uh let me let me i'll do you want me to, i'll tell you what i told them uh because i found I haven't been like neck deep in it, but I definitely kind of like, um, let's see what I said. I liked, um, that's funny. Those are the, uh, Corey's and, and, uh, and Plenty's were the, were the two that I really liked uh, yeah. the most. And it was funny, Corey's like a clean guy mostly. I got this insane like Marshall-y thing out of one of his amps. And wow. then 
the plenty ones have a lot of distortion stuff and I got this insane clean thing. So I kind of found two that, that were really um, sort of opposite ideas, but, but that worked great. The effects are awesome. Um, you know, just the, the way the plugin is set up, it's very quick and efficient and uh, yeah, latency is great. So um, yeah, I like those. Then that, uh, what's it called? A, a parallax mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, there's some interesting stuff you can do with that. Um, yeah. It's cool that you have access to all those vintage amps, but then you also keep up with the, the new software and the, the new technology. Yeah, I find that um, I, I like to marry the two. I'm definitely a, uh, I have a very curious brain. So I'm always going, hey, I wonder if, you know, uh, if we did this or we did, you know, what's crazy is like this amp, let's see if I can point to it. That amp right there mm -hmm. is um, a 64 baseman. Um, it's a very specific, so it's a 6G6B circuit. Um, so it's solid state rectifier. Uh, 6G6 and 6G6A prior are, are two rectifiers, a little softer, a little more scooped. But that, um, I think those are started in 63 or late 62. So that is one of the last ones. So that's a black face cream knob. Um, and they actually made those also that had black Tolex and silver grill cloth, but with cream knobs called the tuxedo. Um, those amps to me are, it's like some of my favorite, that's one of my favorite amps in the world. Um, and I had to search all over and I actually found that in downtown San Francisco during COVID, a guy had it in a one room apartment. Wow. And uh, I went over, plugged it in at his apartment played two notes and was like, I'll take it. Um, but that amp sounds insane. I, I sold mine and have regretted it forever. I had a brown face version. Um, but you would be stunned if I played, like I'll, I'll capture that amp. I already have in the Kemper, but I'll um, do some other variations. But that amp can sound like old Van Halen. Like, like it's ferocious. Yeah. And I'm talking with no gain pedals or anything. Wow. Like it's, it, that amp sounds so good. Um, it's just, and, and of course that amp, uh, well, not that exact one. It was actually the earlier tweed ones were what the Marshalls were based off of. So um, it's pretty stunning to think what Leo Fender got right the first time around, you know, how many things it's just crazy. Um, I know you got to go final question. Um, like, where do you go to, to, to just ingest content like do you do you watch youtube do you watch like i don't know pensado's place or mix with the masters you know and like for studio and guitar like what what things are you you checking out um kind of all of the above like gosh we live in such a great time um you know i have a real love hate with with the internet um and social media it's uh, I think it's, it's done, you know, it does so much harm, um, to people. Um, but there's so much 
there's so many great things and uh, all that you can learn off of YouTube is just stunning. You know, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so those are the things I go to. Uh, uh, definitely I'll do random searches on YouTube. Um, sometimes I like to go to um, like just random guys who do free guitar lessons and just see what they're teaching, you know, just because I always pick something up from people like, um, and, uh, like I, I've done a bunch of studying on IR capturing and, um, so I'll, I'll have a lot to say about that, uh, that probably will make people not very happy, but, um, I'm, I'm just wired in a way where I go, why is that this way? And does it really make a difference? And I'm sitting here in a, you know, a really good sounding control room with barefoots. And if I can't hear a difference, it's, I would, you know, there's probably not a big one anyway. And, um, and so I was checking like different ways to create IRs. And I've, so we did, a, we've done a bunch of testing on what's the best method to create an IR? Is it, you know, long sweep, short sweep, uh, a white noise burst, volume level, like what works? And, um, and so I probably will keep some of that to myself just um, in terms of what I use for specific things, not because I wouldn't want to tell people how I do it just because I, I don't like, um, I think our brains get in the ways of, uh, of what we're hearing. Um, and to me, it's the old Eddie Van Halen quote, if it sounds good, it is good. And, and certainly with guitar, if it feels good and sounds good, it is good. Just let it, you know, let it be what it is. Um, and so, um, yeah, I love, I love going out searching those things. Um, Another neat thing for audio um, is all uh, this has been a neat thing is um, like working with the guys I've gotten to work with over time. Um, usually when I mix a record or when I'm having a record mixed, rather than just listening along, I'll share a session and I'll study the sessions and figure out what guys are doing and why they do it. And some guys won't share them, you know, they're, um, Sean Moffat out in Nashville, like his signal, his, his two buses under lock and key, like nobody knows what it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm always just wanting to learn whether it's, you know, young guys who work around here with me or, just always asking questions, always learning, always going, how do they do that? Or I hear a record that I really like, like what did, what was the, um, how do they get that vocal sound? Why does it, why does it work that way? Um, and always just being open, you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of great technology out there. I've got vintage mics, tube mics, and then I've got the new, I've got the slate thing. Okay. That, you know, they're all great for different things. I, I've done tons of stuff with the slate and it, it sounds phenomenal. 
Um, so um, sometimes I find that stuff is just, uh, it's like both sound great, what's more fun? Yeah. And sometimes it's fun just to use an old vintage piece just because it's fun. Um, I could stick it in my Kemper and use it that way and maybe get a sound that nobody could tell the difference, but it wouldn't be quite as fun uh, at times. So. Man, I, just, I know I didn't even say a word, but oh my goodness, that was <laughs> fantastic stuff. Thank <laughs> you so ask, much. I could keep I going all day. <laughs> I'm swinging here like, we got to watch the time here, but man, thank you, Lincoln. That's, uh, I mean, our, our, our audience is a bunch of guitar people, so they're going to absolutely like just love all that. And I love your encouragement at the end, like find the good, find what sounds good and like yeah don't get so caught up in the nerdiness of it that you forget what you're doing that's great yeah and i um i really do i'm really excited um about capturing these tones we've been working on there's you know um it when these become available like i said which i hope is is within a couple months um yeah. i will these will have my heart and soul in yeah. them you know like when we're when we're miking up IRs, you know, it's going to be through the best signal path you could get. It's, there's yeah, no, great. there's no um, compromise, which honestly was part of what drove me getting um, the 1084s and, and the B2, the Burl. Um, and uh, so I really want to give people super inspiring, great usable tones um, that, uh, uh, and, and you know maybe when these come out we can we can do uh, do do another show and I'll walk you through. Oh man, yeah, the, we would love to. <laughs> the, whole, the whole ethos and um, and all that. And then I'm uh, lastly too, since uh, you guys, uh, there's lots of guitar peeps, our peeps, right? I'm right. uh, <laughs> um, I've been working on this instrumental record forever, and it keeps getting paused for various reasons, but. Um, we're we're on like the final stretch of it and what's really been cool is when we cut the demos for the record um i recorded my pickups for almost everything and was cutting the kemper and we've just recently started reamping through all this stuff and i gotta say like it elevated the the record already like um i just i've just got some really really great amps and getting them fired back up and dusted off and running a guitar tone through you know a clon into an old marshall it it's like wow it's you know that harmonic complexity and just how each amp um is different you know each each marshall they could be they could be consecutive serial numbers you take 10 of them and they're all really different um and uh so uh so it'd be exciting. I, I'm, I've got lots of fun stuff coming on the guitar front and that That's I'm awesome. stoked about. So. Yeah, uh, very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for all the insight and yeah, thanks for everything you do for worship leaders and musicians. And yeah, you're one of the greats. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Real honor. Oh man, it's my pleasure and keep doing the work you guys are doing. It's great. And uh, keep your chins up. We're almost, uh, almost on the other side of this whole thing and right. get back to, uh, you know, getting hopped up on caffeine and making bad decisions. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Great. Thanks a lot, Lincoln. Blessings guys. Right. We'll see you. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Lincoln mentioned his presets and stuff. Make sure you're following us over on Instagram. You can guarantee that we will be posting all about that stuff as it comes out to help him spread the word. So yeah, looking forward to those presets. We'll see you over there.